to do it. All right, we're on. There it is. What's going on, everybody? Uh, Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Anabolic. This is episode six. And uh, just for transparency, we recorded this once already. (laughs) And we forgot to hit the record button. Yes. So Yes, uh, we did. We're, uh, we're doing it again, and it's going to have completely different information than the last time. Yep. We're doing it live. <laughs> but uh, anyway, welcome back. Uh, if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button, or if you're listening, give us a good old rating and review. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, so I think today we're probably just going to rock some, some good old-fashioned Q&A, uh, try and run through some questions that we've got, and uh, hopefully give you guys some maybe beneficial information i have no idea we're gonna find out some food for thought Ooh, we all like food it's off season this is true <laughs> speaking right. of food you got your cream of wheat there i finished it <laughs> oh, that was so quick Dude, i didn't even see I, you eat it i crushed cream of wheat every when did time. you eat that just big spoon very little water <laughs> don't think it's weird it's kind of it's kind of like sand but it's really enjoyable. Yeah, it's like tasty sand. <laughs> it is a tasty sand. Yeah, that that maple brown sugar cream of wheat. Mm. Two packets, 60 grams of carbs, a mm. little bit of peanut butter in there. Oh, yeah. Top-notch meal. Mm. Ooh, and if you're feeling extra spicy and you're really trying to pack on some, some weight or maybe even a pre-workout, throw a banana in there and then also put honey in it. Oh. And then you've got like a hundred gram a carb meal. <clears throat> do you slice that banana or do you mush mash all up oh, in no. your I slice it. I do little the little discs. Gotcha. Little banana discs. That's kinda nice. That's kinda nice. <laughs> I'm kinda jealous, dude. I haven't experienced the uh the maple brown sugar cream of wheat. I've literally only had like bland ass cream of wheat. So this definitely. is definitely gonna be I'm actually gonna go to the grocery store after uh I work with Kev. Probably, I'm gonna pick up some <laughs> pick some up brown sugar. Yeah, no lie. Yeah, no, it's it's a game changer for sure. Yeah, because plain is awful. <laughs> plain is awful. Vomity awful. Yeah, but uh, let's have some questions. Do you want to go first? Yeah, let's do first? it, man. Let's do I've it. I got like a hundred. So, all right. So, um, because I didn't ask if I could ask these questions um, on the podcast, I just won't mention the name of who asked it. Um, the first question is going to be, what are some good ab workouts that don't target hip flexors or low back as much? <laughs> um, mm. It's really tough because everything in there connects. Um, and to contract your abs. I don't know. Do you do you have you told me you were thinking about this one? So yeah, it's not really I don't, fair because I didn't give you too much time to think about answer. this. But to the person who asked this, this is a really good question. And uh, I'm usually like pretty quick to answer some questions, but this one definitely had me thinking for a little bit. Um, I was thinking less so about structure and more so about cueing and kind of the internal and external cues that people give themselves when they do abs um for so the first thing that i'll say is that i guess for the low back 
<clears throat> is if you're feeling your low back, your hips are most likely tilted anteriorly. So you kind of have an, an arch in that low back. Usually when you're doing any core movement, you you want those hips tilted the opposite way, a posterior tilt, um, so that you don't have an arch in that low back. So that should take out the low back um, out of the equation. So that should kind of solve that problem. Um, and then when it comes to the hip flexors, you know, that one kind of, it almost duped me, might still be duping me. I'm not even saying that this is the answer. Um, but what I would say is that like, let's say you're doing like hanging leg raises, right? Your hip flexors are obviously responsible for a little bit of that, like upper leg flexion. Um, they, they do assist with that, but at the same time, it's kind of like a core movement. So what I'm thinking is that maybe it's just more so instead of thinking like, just get my legs up and use whatever the heck I, I can to shift the the um the focus a little bit more internal and making sure that you're really actually just using the abdominals to contract things so maybe slowing down and thinking about actually contracting with the abdominals first opposed to maybe the hip flexors first because the muscle that moves first is going to be the prime mover whatever starts moving first is kind of like what you're kind of um, summoning so to speak so like if your hip flexors are kind of the first things to move there um, and especially if you have like that arch in your low back, if you're kind of already in that anterior pelvic tilt or that Kim K butt, so to speak, then you're probably just going to like lead directly up with your knees and your hip flexors are probably going to be the first things that come into play. So um, tilt your hips underneath you, scared dog butt um, or old man butt, however you want to say it, um, lock your abdominals in and then try to raise the knees up opposed to just like kind of letting it all hang and then just trying to raise your 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 knees up. Um, because then you're probably going to incorporate a little bit more hip flexor than anything else. So instead of um, finding movements that don't incorporate it, try to just not incorporate it during your movements by slowing things down and maybe tilting those hips just a little bit. That was That's kind of what I was thinking about. you have anything to add? Yeah, I think, um, I think you got to look at why the question is being asked, I guess. Um, because I don't. And can I interject real quick? Yeah, go ahead. I feel like the like what you just said there. Um, like I feel like the ab movements that that you are doing are probably solid and fine ab movements to do. It's just your hip flexors are the bottleneck and they get in the way. So then you don't want to do that exercise because your hip flexors get in the way. But in reality, maybe it's just the hip flexors that are just getting a little bit more action than what actually should be. So the 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 focus should be shifted maybe yeah you should get try and get to the root cause of you know why you're having issues probably feeling your abs um and likely it comes from your intent of movement um or you're so tight tightly bound through your hips and you just don't have the mobility to properly do the movement. And then that is what is causing um, what I would assume would be pain or discomfort, which is why you're asking the question. Um, it's hard to know without the surrounding information. Um, but likely it has more to do with your lack of control and stability through your hip. Um, and lack of intent um, when initiating a movement. Yeah. So really, really any 
ab movement is fine, um, but you got to take a look and see if you're actively doing the movement with, uh, with purpose for your abs and not yeah. just doing the movement to do the movement. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you wanted to not do a direct ab movement, all the compounds require you to brace. <laughs> yeah, no. that was that's another thing. That's also <laughs> what know, it, like and those compounds are are very demanding of low back, hip, hip flexor stability and control. So it it doesn't get around the exact question. Um, but if you just like don't like doing ab exercises, just make sure you're bracing in your compounds and your abs will be fine. Yeah, like how many uh like when someone comes up to me and they ask me it, like good for good ab exercises, <clears throat> like the, the abdominals, <laughs> the abdominals <laughs> are like any other muscle. If you do work them out, they will get a little bit bigger. Um, but like, there's a difference between like wanting to focus on that abdominal musculature to grow it versus it playing its role in those big lifts like you just said like for your deadlifts and for your squat like if you're front squatting and then you're just like totally getting folded like a long chair because your your core is just not functioning it's properly with that it, yeah. load there yeah like just doing like um some sit-ups and some some curl-ups won't help that problem like it won't it just doesn't translate that way you have to kind of figure out how to use your core in those movements in movement properly pattern, yeah yeah exactly that is what will actually give you a really strong core not yeah. doing like endless sit-ups and curl-ups yeah and um if the question is being asked um in relation to just wanting abs you likely just need to lose body fat also true yep so it's there is something to be said for having some thicker abs you know will help sure um but really if you want to display your abs you uh you have to be at a low enough percentage body fat mm -hmm. uh, it also is is pretty genetic on where you store your body fat you know if you store your body fat right in your stomach you're probably going to have to get pretty lean uh to reveal them yeah so also you know kind of be aware of that and that that takes some time learning your body to understand you know where you actually store fat mm -hmm. and uh so again just uh train with intent you know make sure that you aren't looking at doing abs as just a face value of if i train them they'll show up yeah um because mm -hmm. that's that's not quite how that works and i think i think that message has been shared enough um, I think that's pretty well preached, you know, people love saying abs are made in the kitchen and all that stuff. Um, so we don't really have to get too deep into that, but, um, yeah, you know, there, there's many, many avenues to displaying your abs, uh, but most of it is just body fat related. Yeah. yeah. Cause the, the musculature is there. Right. Yes. Yeah. Everyone has them. <laughs> you, you you don't you don't just not have abs. It's yeah. It's the same thing as like, well, literally any other muscle on your body. Mm. <laughs> it's not that it's not there. 
It's just it's either fully covered in body fat, so it's not defined the way that you see it on social media, which makes you think you don't have it, or it's not big enough. Yeah. Um, but likely it's number one. The four. <laughs> Do you train abs? I don't, actually. Um, Me neither. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't train abs. Um, I probably should a little bit. Uh, I think... I could use some ab thickness uh, just because I have to be pretty lean, like really pretty lean for my abs to like naturally show up. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll, they'll show up when I contract them, but resting abs, I have to be pretty deep into, into a diet uh, for them to show up. So I could use a little bit more thickness <clears throat> just so, for them to be more present, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but I'm a little bit more focused currently on making sure that my midsection stays tight. Um, so I don't want them to get thick, mm-hmm. right? I don't want thick obliques. Yeah. Um, so that, that'll be a detail later down the road to work on. You know, they, they're very strong, um, which is really all I need them for is uh, I just need them to be strong so that I can perform my compound movements and yeah. not fold yeah, right we and, and they, they handle that fine yeah yeah we're definitely more so on that functional side of the spectrum than, right. than the training side and don't get us wrong like our doesn't mean that we're if anything our, our core is a little bit stronger than than most people that actually do train their core um, in my opinion Dude, it's always amazed from, me. Like, from when, a functional standpoint, yeah. Yeah, from a functional standpoint, for sure. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that I could probably, like, spinal flex, like, 200 pounds, like, easily. But, you know, it works on my RDLs and it works on my squats. Right. right. I, so. I'm not going to win a crunch off with anybody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. No. But, but I'll, I'll do just fine in the compound movements. Yeah. Exactly. Which is that's that's what matters to me in my training, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, which is another piece. You know, you should look at what what actually matters to you. you yeah. Know, yeah. That's like what if... you should base your training around. That's what you should base your diet around. You mm-hmm. gotta. You have to. We can say all of all of these different things and what we do and and you know everything that we speak on is generally through our own paradigm and our training and you know, what we're trying to do, which is very similar between the both of us. Yeah. Um, but you have to kind of take this advice and then put it through your paradigm and, and what your goals are. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone is, they all, everyone has different goals. Like if your goal is to be able to win the crunch off, then right. you should be crunching every day. You should probably be doing crunches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> right. But if your goal is to not fold like a lawn chair underneath a, you know, like a good amount of weight, then you should should... practice not folding like a lawn chair. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Um, if you could, what ab exercises would you do? Like if you could choose like the three, maybe two staples, because I have my two staples. um, Hanging leg raises. Yes. And then I actually really like, like, kneeling cable crunches. Interesting. Yeah. They were just one that, like, kind of clicked with me. Mm. And so I enjoy them. <laughs> I don't do them very often. But <laughs> I definitely do hanging leg raises 
far more than any other leg exercise. <laughs> when uh when I was dieting down, I had this thing every session I just did 10 hanging leg raises. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> like, that should do it. <laughs> like it, it was one set and I was just I just did 10 just one to like set, work them reps. and that was it. <laughs> Fair enough, man. If it helps you sleep at night. <laughs> it did. It did. It made Good. me feel like, yeah, maybe my abs will show up. Good. Yeah. I don't know. I was in diet crackhead brain going on. So <laughs> yes, I need this. Uh, it's this working. Exactly work. <laughs> it's working. It's working. <laughs> yeah. It was funny, actually. The first time that I did them, dude, I was sore for like three days. Yeah. I right? did 10. I did 10. Yeah. I was sore for so many days. I was like, this is awful. <laughs> This is why I don't do abs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm just thinking about Courtney now. Every time you laugh or cough or sneeze or literally anything, just hurts. Dude, I puked a couple of days ago. What? And, and I, like, pulled my groin puking. Like, it, like, <laughs> cramped up. My groin cramped up. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah, it was, like, right <laughs> after my leg day. I think what happened was I just drank a little bit too much. There was just too much liquid. Too much yeah. liquid. Um, so yeah, I, I gotta, I kind of, yeah, I, I, uh, spaced my liquids and I also reduced them just a little bit so that I'm not drinking like 20 ounces right before the gym of just like pre-workout carbs, yeah. amino acids, creatine, yeah, yeah. like, and then I like go do legs and like hold my breath under like, <laughs> like yeah. 300 pounds. You yeah, stand I, up and it all just comes out. <laughs> I got a little queasy. I get, I definitely got a little queasy, but after I puked though. I was like brand new. Yeah, you felt great. Yeah. Yep, brand new. Yeah, I always try and be pretty cautious about what goes in my stomach like just before training. Yeah. Especially on leg day. Especially on leg day. Yeah, those are the only yeah. two days I've actually puked. I've never puked before. Like pre-quarantine, I've never puked my entire life. And now that I'm training, I'm not saying it's the mask. Um, but now that I've been training though, I puke now, which is fucking kind of weird i don't That's know a little weird. It, yeah it gets me a little uneasy now and i'm like very i'm much more cautious now especially after the second time that this has happened to me dude yeah i'm playing it safe yeah because uh, i was just like i puked and i was like my calories no, no. Like, i had like some <laughs> some rice come up with that and i was like no <laughs> i gotta That's eat that the later head thing ever my calories <laughs> yeah <laughs> Also, not to get if if you guys are easily grossed out, just skip like thirty seconds ahead. But you know how that pre workout tastes, right? And you oh, know yeah. how oddly enough, hear me out, the EAAs and the intra carb kinda tasty. I'm not saying it was tasty, but it wasn't disgusting. Like it wasn't <laughs> it like a, like acid disgusting, like I, yeah. I'm gonna puke just from like puking, you know what I mean? Like one of those. It was like, oh okay, I'm done. Like that actually wasn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> could have tasted way worse <laughs> all right hopefully that oh, was hopefully you fast forwarded just enough in time <laughs> yeah that was probably probably good the, the right amount <laughs> all right oh god have killed the too... ab question oh um my two ab exercises would be hanging leg raise as well um yes. and uh, and oddly enough a low decline not a super high incline or decline um crunch yeah, so, I like I like those as well. Those are a good one. Yeah. 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 And those are my two. All right. I'll go. I got a lot. Hey. As usual. Competing 
when competing for the first time, should you do it natural or should you just go straight to being enhanced? I'm going to just say straight up, you should definitely do that, Natty. Okay. I actually have an it depends to this. I do have an it depends as well, actually. Can I retract my answer? Go ahead. So if you've been training for like one year, then you're doing it natty. Yeah. Natty. All right. And if if you've been training for like 10 years, you're probably getting to some limit of yours and you're probably experienced enough and you're working with a coach and they can control the drugs and all that, you know, all that mumbo jumbo. Um, then yes, you, you know, I would not be as opposed to that. But if you're like a beginner lifter, if you're a novice, I would say that you'd have to be in that expert, very, very, very high intermediate. I wouldn't even really say intermediate. Honestly, you should really be like low expert on that low expert spectrum, in my opinion, because like the high intermediate, they can like hit their meals and things like that. But like they could just tighten up just a little bit more. And then I think like once you tighten that up just a little bit more, like your meals are on point, your training is on point, your recovery is on point, then, you know, I would say that it's okay. Because I think those hold more priority over gear, you know? Yeah. Um, what do you think? My answer is pretty similar. Um, if you just, like, you went with some buddies to a show one time, just to, like, a local show, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to be a bodybuilder, I would not advise that that would make you decide to go enhanced. Mm-hmm. Um if you haven't trained, but you're just like, you saw a show and you're like, I'm going to be a bodybuilder. That was awesome. Train, you know, get good at training, get strong, develop as much as you can. Um, and I'll actually, I'll explain why, you know, I'll explain one reason why that is probably the right thing to do. Um, and it's really, it comes from a longevity standpoint. When you move to enhanced and you haven't been training for a while, um, taking PEDs, they will increase your strength so quickly and your joints and ligaments aren't going to have enough time to actually catch up to that strength. And you're just going to end up with a lot of injuries down the road. Yeah, dude, I've seen that so much. I see it in my gym a lot. Like guys are like, oh, my elbows. Right. It happens all the time because you, your muscles develop so quickly from being enhanced, but steroids don't go to your joints and ligaments and (laughs) yeah, um, so that is one major reason not to go enhanced right off the start if you're new to training. Um, when you might go enhanced, right when you're going to do your first competition, if you've been training for a long time, you know, you're pretty strong, you're very capable, you've, you've been doing this for a while, and you've just kind of teeter-tottered back and forth, you've been, you've been natural the whole time, mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, maybe I'll compete, yeah, maybe I won't, and then... You know, you're you're good at training. You're probably in the upper echelon of the people that are in your gym already, unless you're in like a bodybuilding specific gym. Yeah. Um, you're probably in the upper echelon of people there, and in that case, uh, if you really have the goal to be, you know, competitive, go after your pro card, 
then uh then yeah it's probably okay to uh to go ahead and be enhanced yeah. uh, but that is definitely a conversation to have with your coach totally 100 percent. yep definitely um, i really don't advise anybody doing a cycle without a coach um especially off the start you know as you get further into your career and if you've been enhanced for a while that's very different you know you've you've gone through your cycles you know what to expect but um you know your first cycle should be very basic okay? yeah um if it's not probably question it <laughs> um likely most coaches will have your first cycle just be test um, i'm very a, delicate yeah a very low dose of testosterone yeah yeah like see if your how, coach is how you react everything at you yeah bad. yeah see how you react you know how your body handles it what uh what effects you kind of get and then after that you know then then things progress but um if you have a coach and they instantly just throw you on a whole bunch of stuff knowing it's your first cycle and they well, they don't know your body on steroids because it's your first cycle. Walk away. Walk away. Yeah. Um, it's just it's yeah. it's not a game to just play around with. Yep. I've uh, I've had those locker room conversations. Yeah. Where it's kind of like like oh like you're trying to get big like oh like what's your goals like oh I'm just trying to put on some muscle mass like oh yeah well what are you trying to do and it's like you're trying to compete yeah I'm trying to compete all right cool well like once we get your digestion right like you know like once your digestion gets right like that's when it all happens and then we'll give you a little bit of gear did a yeah. wind straw a little bit of this a little bit of that and like this has literally happened to me this was a conversation that I had from digestion to performance enhancing drugs like in one sentence he was like, well, get your digestion right. And then, or she, um, not going to say whatever. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then they were like, um, yeah. And then, uh, once we get your digestion, right, like, we'll just put you on like five different things. And it's like, all right, that's a walkaway scenario. Yeah. What do you think about like the younger, I've, I feel like I've been seeing this a lot. I don't know if it's just because there's, uh, the information is of better quality and it's also more accessible that, kids that are a little bit younger like you know that are like 15 to let's say like 18 somewhat somewhat in that like just starting period yeah. um i've found that most of them are kind of jacked now and they're pulling like mad weight and you know like i said there's a good amount of information out there now it's much more accessible and the quality of it is also much better there is some misleading stuff out there um, so that could be why these kids just look like so ab like just jacked. I don't know. Um, but like, you know, I think some of them might be taking some sort of PED. Doesn't necessarily have to be test, but like, I think some of them, I think SARMs is like a big thing now. Yeah, I think it's bullshit. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I, I don't. Well, okay, maybe maybe not. You think bullshit. SARMs are bullshit, or you think that these kids are probably not anything? Oh, I think I think SARMs are are pretty bullshit. I also think SARMs are bullshit. Um, there are some people you know, that swear by them too. I know. Uh, I think. Do they do something? 
Probably. Meh. <laughs> Maybe. Um, Meh. Yeah. But in comparison to actual gear. Nothing. Yeah. Non-comparable. Non not uh, even close. Yeah. You do and not you can see, still get side effects. Yeah. You do not see any professional bodybuilder preaching SARMs. No. Not a single one. Yeah. Right. They're all just... Every single person that preaches SARMs just seems to be a YouTube star. Yeah, a get rich quick. And they and funny thing, they all wear Gymshark shirt shirts. <laughs> it's almost like the like the Gymshark community has created this like like regiment, like a SARM regiment, where it's like hop on this SARM regiment, do some sumos, bench as hard as you possibly can, don't squat ever. Like okay, and wear this super tight clothing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's kind of what I see. And I see it as a get-rich-quick scheme. Um, I think it has a lot of holes in it. Um, yeah, it's like an MLM. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like an MLM. <laughs> it's kind of like, come to the dark side. Yes. Right, exactly. You'll get gains for like three months, and then they'll go away. Um, so. You know, I, I don't necessarily, like, I'm not taking away from anyone that uses them. Because, you know, like, if you're going to do something, you do it, you know. and, and Right. It's kind of just based off of kind of what you're familiar with, the scenarios that you're going through, this, that, the other, that kind of lead you to that decision and whatever. It could be a good learning experience. But um, just like it's definitely like if you're thinking about longevity and things like that, like Brady was kind of saying with the whole joint thing, there are still other side effects that come with them as well. And then when you're not on them, just like kind of, you know, other like gear, like serious stuff, it's like when you're not on them, you don't feel as bulletproof. And you're probably not going to take your off seasons as serious, so or your or your prep or whatever the heck your what's whatever stage you're in, but it's kind of like you can only make progress or like you're only going to be good if you have that to sit on, you know, if you have that PED that will help you. And then when you're on the off season, it's kind of like ah eh, whatever. We're just kind of we're not doing anything. No gains, you know. Yeah, Wait, I fooled though. Off season. I I like to I listen to Fuad now a lot actually. Yeah, um, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, he yeah they've got an awesome podcast. Um, yeah, they've you know he has James Shout on out to the Real Bodybuilding Podcast. Uh, with Hell Will. yeah! Hell yeah! He's the guy. Um, <laughs> they talk about uh, you know like he'll talk about his cycles and things like that, and he also yep. he talks about like once he's off, that's like his time to grow. Like he tries to grow as much as he can. Yeah. Um, once he's like off that cycle, because he doesn't want to go the opposite way. Like you don't gear up and then just lose all that weight for no goddamn reason. Yeah. Gear up and then he what he tries to do is just like go up another level, kind of yeah. put on a little bit more mass so you don't lose that tissue that you have. Um, but like, dude, the the people that are taking SARMs generally aren't the ones that are completely on top of their shit. Their yeah. sleep is probably really poor. They they're probably eating their meals, but their training is most likely shit as well. You know, they're just kind of going in there and throwing everything they, they can against the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. But that was a lot of PED talk. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Food for thought, I hope. Guys. Uh, Food for thought. Yeah, I hope that answered uh, that question. Just because I know, I know a lot of people just kind of expect that within the bodybuilding community, uh, you should just go straight to being enhanced if you plan to be competitive and that's not always the case um you know once you get into you know really competitive yeah generally it is something that is taken on but there is there is a natural a natural division as well 
So yeah. if it's just not for you, then that's okay. You can still be competitive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think the other thing is muscle maturity as well. Like it takes time for your muscle bellies, like the girthiest part of the muscle. Like they, they'll say that's the belly, so to speak. So like if you made yeah. a bicep, like where you're the, the girthiest um, or the thickest is kind of like where that muscle belly um, is. And like if you're a beginner lifter, your muscle bellies are very, very, very underdeveloped. So it's like I can literally see like it looks off because these dudes don't have like very well developed muscle bellies, but they're just big now. They're just like big. So, you know, it just it kind of throws things off just a little bit. So, you know, it's always good to just like give your body some time to fully mature with the muscle bellies and and everything like that and your your joints and stuff before you really kind of dig into or think about other things, you know. Yeah. And you should learn how to train first too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like I that know. Should, the, all of the other pieces that we generally talk about definitely should be a priority first. Your sleep, mm-hmm. your, you know, your diet, your training, all of those things should be perfectly in a row and maximized before you really take that step. Because that's what's going to maximize when mm-hmm. you do transition over. That's what's going to get you the results that you're expecting yeah exactly you know if if you don't have those other things in line yes being enhanced will just gain you some more just by the nature of how they work but it's not going to make you competitive all of a sudden it's yeah. it's not going to make you an olympia competitor yeah. it's not going to fix right. your sleep it's not going to fix yeah. the way you train it's not going to fix your diet so get get your natural ducks in a row first yeah before adding in enhanced ducks yeah exactly <laughs> it's almost like a like a house like if you were to like when you're building a house and you're and imagine it's on like four columns on each corner you want to make sure that those columns are like thick as hell and super stable because yeah. then you're going to build on top of it a few levels right and it's like yeah, a lot of these dudes foundation. are walking yeah their their foundation is like on stilts kind of and they think that just like throwing gear on it is going to fix that. But in reality, you're just putting more levels of that building on top of those stilts. And eventually it's going to catch up to you, whether it's your joints or your mental health or, you know, this, that, the other. Yeah, for sure. I think we got that one. I think so. I think we killed it. Yeah, we should move on. I agree. Um, did you have another question? I did. I did. Where you been, big dog? Haven't seen you at Worlds. No, not that one. <laughs> um, all right. This one is going to be a fun one, I think. Um, train to form failure for only isolations or for everything. I think this is a question where I apply. You have to learn the rules before you can break the rules. Mm -hmm. Um, And form is one of those rules. If you are new to training, probably stop at form failure um, on everything. That way you don't do something stupid trying to squeeze out one more rep Mm -hmm. and then be off from the gym for three weeks yeah um if you are an advanced lifter i think um 
Oh, form failure is a little bit tough. Oh. That's right. Because <laughs> um, with, with form failure, you know, we have, we have form breakdown. Um, but I think, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I, I totally can. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Because um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask your input on this. Where do you consider form failure, right? So let's, let's talk about a deadlift, right? What is form failure on a deadlift? Is it at the point that you're fish pulled? Is it at the point that, uh, you know, you're starting to get some shaking to complete a rep up at the top? Is it... Um, starting to get a, or, or lose a neutral scap position? Is it, you know, you change your balance over center foot? You know, there, there's varying degrees of where, I guess, failure could be judged. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think when you're an advanced lifter, you can kind of push the degradation of form for an extra rep or two. Um, but being in a, or, or when you're an advanced lifter, you also know how far is too far. Uh, like fish pulling is too far. Way too far. Yeah. But something like, you know, you're starting to shake at the top of reps. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're, you're still holding it together. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, you got to learn and master the rules before you can break them. Yeah. Uh, with isolation movements, I don't think there's a point to go past form failure. Um, like a bicep curl, for instance. It's uh, If you want to take it that far, just do a drop set and keep form yeah right don't don't waste energy or output on recruiting other muscles in an isolation movement just to perform a rep yeah um but something in like a compound you know a deadlift for instance you can uh you can push that boundary a little bit further um as long as you've had the time to instill a certain standard within yourself and um you know a rep quality right that even when oh pardon me even when (laughs) um you know you you start to uh degrade and, and wear out you uh you're still holding true to most of your cues and and how a rep is supposed to be standardized yeah Right. So I guess that's my answer to that question is if you're new, probably stop at form failure. Um, As you've learned how you can push the boundaries a little bit, it's okay uh, to do so on on major movements. Yeah, I kind of completely agree um, with you there. Um, I'm going to go to my train track analogy, which is like if you could imagine the train is on the track and then you've got those 
I don't even know what they're called. Not even the rails. <laughs> I should probably learn my train anatomy a little bit better. But basically, you <laughs> have those rails <laughs> before yeah. I use this more. <laughs> but yeah. basically, you have um, like those um, beams that run it like across the um, the wheels on the train, and they kind of just move in one motion. And then you've got this guy in the middle of the cart, and he's got the coal, and he's scooping the coal into the, into the fire, and it's you know letting the train do its thing. Um, basically, like when you get to the end of your set, you've kind of just run out of coal, but those train tracks don't do anything else. Like Brady was saying, like if you need to, like if you're bicep curling on those isolation exercises, it's really easy to figure out if you can do one more or not. It's a little bit harder to um, figure out if you have one more in the tank, if you're doing like a leg extension or like a leg press or something like that. But like on an isolation movement, you're probably not going to bicep curl anything past like that true last rep unless you like swing the elbow use the pack use the shoulder to really kind of grunt things up there that i would definitely say is that's too far broken down um but then you know at the same time keeping things way too tight might not allow um wiggle room for progression in certain areas so i do think that it's okay to step just slightly outside of those parameters. But like you said before, you have to learn these things. You have to learn these rules before you go ahead and break them. And when we say break them, like we don't actually, like we do this very intelligently. Like it's not like, oh, one more, one more, one more. Like screw it. Just like if I blow my back out, it's okay. It's like okay. it's not like that. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, we're not going to the point where we want to fish pull. But like, you know, if you come up a little bit or if you go down a little bit and you have like a little bit of like sway in that like mid to low back, like just a little bit, like that's okay. I'm sorry. Right? Everything's okay. But, you know, if you start fish pulling, then that's not okay. So if you keep it tight, let's say you're on a deadlift and you keep it really tight and you've done one and you're like, oh, Jesus, I don't know if I can do one more. Right. Pretty much stay as tight as humanly possible and try to lift it again, but stay as tight as humanly possible and don't detract outside of the um the rep standard that you normally would if you only get halfway up that deadlift you just drop it you don't fish pull and continue to pull you just kind of it just ends there that's just where your set ends you've run out of coal and your tracks have stopped and that is kind of like where i would say like that's kind of where things end um bottom line though i think that just training to towards failure on all movements form failure on all movements is pretty important because what are you just gonna like leave five reps in the tank like where do we ever where, like when do you ever just like leave five to ten reps in the tank after a set yeah. you know you're, you're take it to where it needs right. to go which is typically like a rep or two away from failure um, yeah that's what i'm saying you should always be approaching that edge right yeah yeah i like what you said have a standard for the quality of movement so like fish pole should be that that red spectrum it should be red <laughs> on that red needle and then you yeah. know like you should have like a nice green needle and a yellow area for for these things where like green is extremely tight and then yeah. yellow things are like kind of loosening up just a little bit and then red is like you're done don't do anything fish pole yeah. yep cool that was a good question that was a good question yeah i don't think he's gonna mind if i shout him out shout out to steve burke nice <laughs> all right um i got a bunch so optimal calorie surplus in an off season mm. 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 Ooh. okay 
Uh, <laughs> how so? I, how so? Yeah, so the only reason why I ask how so, I just feel like it, it would be really individual for everyone. Yeah. Um, if we're talking about maintenance, um, I would say that there is a... When you're approaching a mass, I guess, and you could think about it like this. If, if you could just shove as much food as humanly possible in your mouth and gain as much weight as you possibly could in like 10 days, you could do it, right? You could gain like 30 pounds in 10 days if you really tried. Well, not 30 pounds, but you like you gain. could gain, you can gain mad weight in, in a very short amount of time, but it doesn't mean it's going to look very nice. Yeah, I mean, you can get, you can gain thirty pounds overnight. Yeah, like it's gonna be I'm a lot of water. That. I'm not doing that. I have a friend that did that though. Like he he literally went up like twenty five pounds in like two days. Yeah, um, after a show, of course. Right. That was Pretty... a hard reverse out, real quick. <laughs> not slow. Um, in my opinion, I think a a surplus should be only what is necessary for you to carry your surplus. So you don't want to go too fast and you don't want to go too slow. You don't want your caloric surplus to be too much to the point where you're putting on an unnecessary amount of fat because that will just put you in the hole down the line when you want to take off that fat. Um, and then you obviously don't want something too slow where maybe your, um, your lifts are like plateauing like every other week. And then you just have to keep adjusting every other week. Yeah. So, um, my piece to kind of add to this is if you want the longest off season you can possibly have, you don't want to be incredibly high amount over your maintenance. You want to be in a surplus, you know, couple hundred, 500 cows, maybe over surplus. I mean, over maintenance, right? Yeah. But there does come a time... Whereas a human, you can't continue to shove more food in your body. Yeah, it just says no. <laughs> and so to keep that runway before you hit that mark as long as possible, you don't want to overshoot your initial surplus. Yeah. Right? So let's say, let's say the maximum food that just you can shove in your body in a day is 6,000 calories. That's a lot of food. Okay. Like meals are going to start kind of going into your next meal time and, and that kind of stuff. And um, if you, let's say your maintenance is 2,000, which is really low. Probably um, mine. <laughs> <laughs> no way. If, you, if your maintenance is 2,000 calories, oh, I guess that's what, that's what's considered the average Two. maintenance. Yes. Well, you know, all all our food stuff says 2,000 calories. Yeah, it's like calories. the recommended. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever. 2,000 is low to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's say your maintenance is 2,000 calories. If you instantly just start eating 4,000 calories a day, you have chopped your runway to the maximum amount of food because your body is going to adjust. It will eventually adjust to just making that 4,000 calories maintenance. And uh, you now only have 2,000 calories left of runway. Mm -hmm. Where if your maintenance was 2,000 and you bumped to 2,500, 
you are now in a surplus. You will be putting on tissue of some kind, depending on how you train and what you're eating. Um, and, um, you know, you're, you're going to grow. Yeah. And that gives you, and then your body will adapt, and 2,500 will be your maintenance. And then you bump it to 3,000. And then the same thing happens. Your body adapts. And then you bump to 35. And then the same thing, you know, and, and so on, right? And that's kind of how the progression of adding food in your, into your diet goes yeah. uh, through an off-season and reversely in a diet. Yeah. Um, I was going to say maybe we should cover uh, the opposite too as well. Yeah. It follows just about the same principles. Pretty much, yeah. You just kind of inverse things a little bit. Right. It, it literally goes the same way, both sides. Yeah. Because um, it's when it all comes down to it, it's energy in versus energy out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Food is energy. Yeah. You expend energy doing everything that you do in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but your the time that your body takes to adapt to a 2,000 calorie jump versus doing that same 2,000 calories, but splitting it into 500 calorie jumps, um, you're going to adapt to the 4,000 much quicker um, just because it is so much food that your body is going to feel the need to make the adjustment very quickly. Yeah, so you're only going to be able to tolerate that. Yeah, essentially what I'm saying is you're just, you're cutting your runway short, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you do the 2,000 calorie jump, you are, you're going to put on size, yeah. right? You're, you're going to, you're probably going to put on a lot of fat. But if you're, let's say you only have a four-month off season before you have to diet for a show, which I wouldn't really recommend. Yeah, um, you probably, probably if you If you have a lot of growing to do, you probably shouldn't do a show every year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, like every four months, six months, like not yeah. even like three, four months, people are doing shows. Yeah. But for the people that are in the later end of their career, they've put on most of the muscle mass they're going to do. And uh, they kind of, they compete every year pretty regularly, you know, then a jump like that makes more sense. Right, because yeah. they're just they're trying to get the most out of this very small amount of time, mm-hmm. right? And who we're talking about, they're likely enhanced, which is okay. then going to make coming back down and removing all of the excess fat that was put on a bit of a more streamlined process. Yeah, as in it will be much easier. It will be yeah. It'll be a much quicker process yeah i completely agree i actually didn't um view this client or potential client um as a as a gear lifter i just thought of them as just straight up normie yep Yep. um yeah i think um the the fat is definitely something to think about too you know because like if you're if you put on more fat than is necessary than the goal that you're trying to achieve then you've there's no point to do that (laughs) unless you're just looking for more of a challenge um, and like based off of the amount of fat cells that you have right now, if you just like 2K'd yourself, you just gave yourself an extra 2,000 calories, those fat cells are going to fill right up to like yep. pretty much their maximum amount. And there's two things there's hypertrophy, which is a cell getting larger. And then there is hyperplasia, which is um, just the amount of cells increasing in number. Um, fat 
does not go away. It actually hyperplasias and hypertrophies. It does both. So it gets bigger nice. and, and then it multiplies as well. So when you mass like this, if you mass really, really quickly, you're going to fill up all of your fat reserves and then your body is going to make more of those little fat cells actually um, and fill those up as best they can. And then fun fact, those fat cells actually don't go away. They just shrink. So you've now just given yourself more fat cells to further fill into later. Actually something that I probably should do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll put you on a 2,000 calorie I need a 2K daily diet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, to kind of wrap that back up, um, I would say push – I'm not going to say a little. I don't – when I say a little, I don't mean like 100 calories. I mean like three to 500. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, some people preach the 100-calorie surplus – I don't know if I quite agree with that one. I don't think it's enough. I think our bodies will make that adjustment and keep you at maintenance. I think I think maintenance is more of like a swinging number. Mm -hmm. It's not so much like 2,467 calories is your maintenance. Yeah. If you eat 2,468, you're going to grow. Like mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit more of a sliding a sliding number than that yeah. um and i don't i think 100 calories will just get swallowed up mm -hmm. um you know that's i don't have any science behind that that's my meathead you know kind of thinking behind it so <laughs> yeah i got a little sciencey with it hyperplasia yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm like nah you gotta just <laughs> don't eat too much but you definitely <laughs> you gotta eat um, pretty much so yeah if i had to recommend a number for a decent off season, you know, I guess I'll also kind of prerequisite this with you should also keep inventory of how you're looking week to week. You know, mm -hmm. it you might have to pull back a little bit. And, you know, if you're eating five and you're like, oh, getting a little thick, a little too quick, you yeah. just uh, you pull back and go to 300. Mm -hmm. You know, so this isn't just like an end all be all number to just follow all the time. It'll be adjusted. But. Um, as just kind of like a standard somewhere in the 300 to 500 calorie surplus is, is probably pretty decent. Yeah. Yep. Um, I agree. Yeah. I've never so. heard of a hundred K cal diet. <laughs> the hundred really? calorie surplus. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah. It's, it's just something that kind of recently got, I think it's like a quarter of a pound a week. I don't even know if it's that. It's yeah. I mean, yeah. it's definitely not a half. 35 no. it takes fun fact three not outside of the bros 3500 kcals to burn one pound of fat that is the the number um so if you're in a hundred calorie surplus is this i'm guessing this is daily right not weekly yeah daily all right yeah so then spread across a week that's around like 700 and then 700 you double that that's around 14 yeah so it's like less than a little less than a quarter yeah it, like quick math i think I don't want to say any names because I don't remember exactly who it was. And even though like we don't have a following, no <laughs> names, no names. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not trying to call anybody out. I just yeah. think a hundred calorie surplus is a little bit silly. Yeah, um, and so. yeah, it, it should be a little bit bigger than that. I think that's going to, that's a little bit too slow. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I have a question. <laughs> if we're done here. 
yeah, I think I think we covered that one pretty well. <laughs> Still ballpark. Um, how? What is the best way you'd go about finding your maintenance cows? Pretty easy, actually. It is pretty easy. <laughs> if uh, if you're starting in the, you know, you have no idea at all. I'm gonna adjust my back real quick. Ooh. You heard that. Dude, I heard that. That came over the podcast. Cool. Thanks. Cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is uh, Capo's Chiropractics come through. Uh, yeah. Charging uh, free free cracks. Just come through. So, uh, <laughs> there's, I guess there's two ways to do it. I do it one way. A lot of sciencey people like to do it another way. Um, some people like to plug a bunch of numbers into a calculator based on, you know, activity, height, age, weight, and then it spits out a number that your uh, resting... Your BMR. Yeah, BMR. I don't know what it is. Basil. Yeah, basil. That's it. Yeah. Fucking herbs and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I just said herb. (laughs) Anyway, um, they give that number, and then you'll start there. For myself, um, I don't know. I'm not completely clueless as to where, let's say I'm setting up a client. You know, they, I collect all of those numbers, but I don't punch it into a calculator or anything. Uh, Just from those numbers, I just pick, I pick a number. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if, Generally, it will be somewhere in between 2,000 and 3,000 calories a day. Um, Most of my clients are younger, um, so that is to take into account. But I pick a number, right? And from that number, we see what happens to their weight the first week. Yeah. If it goes up the first week, we lower calories. Yeah. If it goes down the first week, we raise calories. Cool. And that's how you find maintenance. You don't Super push it up. Simple. Depend right, depending on how quickly the the loss or gain happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that's how much you'll adjust your calories. If it was just a little bit, right? Change a hundred calories a day. Yeah. If it was a lot, change three hundred, change five hundred, you know, adjust from there. If it was like a little bit, a little bit. I'd probably just leave it um, yeah. just because there's general fluctuations, especially if they're starting new on a program and, and they're suddenly now drinking water and, you know, exercising. There's going to be some weight fluctuation there. And depending on how good they're doing about eating their, their meals right, you know, is somebody eating at 11 o'clock at night where normally they ate at 8 p.m.? All those things kind of come into play. So, but for the most part, if you're trying to figure out your own maintenance, pick a number. If the scale moves up, bring your calories down. If the scale moves down, bring your calories up. And eventually you'll find something that just kind of hovers. Yep. Yeah. And that's it. I over explained that for sure. No, I think that was that's definitely like the best rough way to get there, for sure. Like hundred yeah. percent. Like I would I would choose that route. Yeah. You got to experiment with your body a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Generally, when I bring my clients, um, 
like that number that you like plug into your calculator to be honest is probably off by some amount um and it's a really unimportant number um yeah. to be honest <laughs> because things are going to change in like two weeks um yeah. most likely um usually you know what i would suggest to someone trying to find a maintenance cal um, a little bit different of a way just so that you have two different ways that you can pull from um step step on the scale obviously um and then just kind of look at what you're eating like whatever you're like don't change anything literally don't change anything um continue eating what you're eating but then kind of like track track it. it yeah exactly step on the scale every single day and then after like four days to seven days you'll have your maintenance cows right there yeah, especially if your weight didn't fluctuate at all. Yeah, and, if, you if your weight's staying the same. Yeah, which it should because you haven't changed anything, um, generally speaking. You know, unless you've been given like a cooler unless, prescription. Yeah. You know, then then you know you might lose or gain. But that's also the thing I tell my clients like in the first like three days, or like just leading up into working with me, I'm like, don't change anything. Just track for three days. Let me just see how many meals you're eating and what you're eating inside those meals. Track yeah. your weight and let's just see what's good. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those calculators, they're only so good, right? Um, in, in my own example of myself, the things that I would have put into that calculator would not have changed, except my maintenance cows when I was dieting went from like 2,400 all the way down to like 1,300. Mm Mm-hmm. But none of those things in that calculator changed. Yeah, because it didn't take into account everything else. It didn't take into account that I was eating in a deficit and then my body was adjusting to the being in that deficit. Yeah, lowering it. Yeah. So if, uh, you know, calculators are only so good. They can only take in so much information, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Same thing with um, what's it called? estimated calories off of like a uh, treadmill like that yeah. is also in the same department of Take that, that is not salt. right that's just not I, true yeah i i would never track calories off of an exercise no um, yeah just manipulate your time and keep your yeah your output or i guess your your intensity the same yeah definitely right. or change your intensity and and keep the time the same mm-hmm. you know the goal of doing cardio if you're in a deficit um is really just to create a greater energy expenditure Mm -hmm. which makes it one of the variables you can manipulate next to calories yeah um but that's a rabbit hole yeah all right i also would not use the the number on that treadmill for anything no just keep track of your time, you know, what speed you did it at, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Rapid fire question. What's your, fav- what's your favorite burner on the stove? <laughs> um, bottom left. You're bottom left? I'm bottom right. Fuck. <laughs> ah. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, at least we could, we'd be able to, like, cook something up together, at least. Like, Could've we wouldn't be, like, hogging all the, you know, nice. you've got my burner, you know? Wouldn't be fighting over burners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I want to, um, I'm going to make a rapid fire question up while we keep going through this. <laughs> I'll have to put that on, uh, on the story. Yeah. Favorite burner on the stove. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling most of, 
most people are going to say bottom something. I think yeah. we cook on the one closest to us. Um, so I'll just say bottom left or bottom right, and we'll see who wins. <laughs> yeah, it's so right, though. Like, definitely no one just is like, yeah, top top right. Top what? <laughs> top left, yep. I like to reach extra far. <laughs> All right, uh, serious question. Should new lifters train uh, for strength be- benchmarks or hypertrophy? Um, under the assumption they want to be a bodybuilder, let's narrow it. Okay. Um, train, train for strength in my opinion, but to an extent, like don't train like a power lifter, your training style, like just completely like, I don't think no, no shot to power lifters, but like a lot of the times they the eccentric is just non-existent. Yeah. So that is like where muscle tissue actually gets broken down. So I think you should pay a little bit more attention to that part as well. Um, but focusing on your strength, you know, the hypertrophic gains should follow that strength as well. Um, but if you focus purely on strength and you're just doing like five, three, two, one, or some sort of like, um, you know, five sets of two or something like that, like you're probably not going to grow too much. So there has to be a happy medium of getting strong, building strength in different rep ranges kind of like we already do like we build strength in the six to eight which is like a little bit heavier and then we build strength in the 12 to 15 even like uh, 15 to 20 20 to 25 sometimes depending on kind of where your head's at where your set's at and your circumstances and things like that but generally speaking we stick to six to eight 12 to 15 um, and we get as strong as humanly possible within those rep ranges so that would be strength but sometimes what i think people correlate strength with is just like a raw one rm and like yeah. you're probably not going to grow too much with a raw one RM. Um, and if you're someone who isn't paying attention to you know their form, if you don't have those standards for the quality of your movement, and you're just kind of getting as much weight as you possibly can, then you're going to risk injury as well. And that's probably not going to help your bodybuilding gains either. Um, so that's my hybrid answer, I think. <laughs> Did I answer anything? <laughs> yeah, um, I I would agree. I think I'm going to. Um, kind of sum up what you said in a couple of words is don't try to specialize too early. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you think you want to be a bodybuilder, don't specialize your training yet. Um, and just focus on progressive overload in all rep ranges. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So that, that would be my answer there. Mm-hmm. Is uh don't don't necessarily hyper focus into one area or the other, uh, just focus on progressively getting stronger in both. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, get good at your compound movements, and uh, and whichever way you decide you want to end up going, you'll uh, you should be able to transition pretty nicely once you've mastered um moving your body i suppose yeah i agree yeah and all and like your ability to like as you get more proficient with things your ability to use the loads that you're using um you just get much better at kind of putting that load into the areas that it needs to go which really does help yeah yep definitely does help for sure 
Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Would you oh. rather piss yourself every time you stand up or <laughs> every time you sit down? <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say the definitely A. I think I'd rather pee every yeah. upon standing up every single time. For sure. Every time. Yeah, I just don't want... Why? I definitely don't want to just, like, sit on a nice, like, uh, chocolate swirly doo-doo. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take like, Think about it. Every time you sit down, it's because you're sitting down so that you can spend time there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which means the whole time you'll have to just sit in your own shit. <laughs> And I sit for like fucking eight hours a day. Hours. Yeah. That just reminds <laughs> me of that more South Park that. episode. <laughs> With uh, what's his face? Oh, I can't remember his name. Damn it. He's like, ma'am. Give me the chocolate. I'm like, what's his name? Cartman? Cartman. Yeah, Cartman. Yeah. And they're like, he's like playing World of Warcraft or whatever. And he like doesn't want to leave the, yeah. he doesn't want to leave his game. And he's like, he's literally just like pooping himself while he's playing video games. And his mom's like, please go to the bathroom. He's like, mom, get out of here. <laughs> get the bucket. <laughs> yeah. And like, if I piss myself every time I stand up, I can just go change right then. True. Yeah. I'll just know not to sit down in public areas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It won't be as smelly either. No. No. A little smelly, but not no. nearly as bad as like... You could definitely get away with like a pee bag too. True. I couldn't imagine carrying around a shit bag, I'm going to be honest. True. Also true. <laughs> that one yeah. wouldn't work as well because you would no. sit down and then you'd shit and it wouldn't be able to go into a bag. So yeah, nah. What if pee I is were... 100% the way to go on that. Yeah. I hope none of you disagree. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Serious question. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> it, are these from people? <laughs> is this you? <laughs> is it yep. from people? Yeah. <laughs> All, All right. right. What's better? Five evenly balanced meals or four medium meals and the last one being big? Um, it would probably depend on if you're um, in a your goal. If you're, I mean, are calories equated for? I guess there's like so many things that you could like put it into a vacuum with, I guess. Um, but generally speaking, the first one, just like eating some straight meals would be probably better for maintenance or like losing a little bit of weight. And then the latter, just where you're kind of like getting in that... Um, what do you call it? Like a feeder meal, like a giant feeder meal, a cheat meal, whatever you want to call it. Um, that would be a little bit better for like the massing side of things, maybe. I disagree with you. Go ahead. Actually, on all fronts. God damn it, Brady, you're not allowed to disagree <laughs> with me. <laughs> no. All right, let's so I think I think you're letting the word uh, big mean too much to you. It just means it's the biggest of the five meals. Okay, so cows are equated for? Yeah. Okay. Um. In which case, I I think having four medium meals and the last one being big um, is the better way to go, and your training should be before that last big meal. 
Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. So you have you have four medium-sized meals, or I guess evenly balanced meals, and then you train, and then that, that last meal is your big meal because you uh, you want the extra food because you're able to intake or, or uptake uptake um, more after training. So to get the most out of your training, you might as well have a big meal following it. Okay. See what I'm All saying right. there? Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. It, um, I feel I like it's definitely somewhat circumstantial. Well, not even circumstantial, but like, you know, just like the the way that I was like thinking, I was thinking like, yeah, that would just be like the surplus way, like that second way. And then the other way was like maintenance-y. Right. Yeah. Um, even in a diet phase you know you can still have a bigger meal in relation to your other meals mm-hmm. which i would put right after training yeah like if you had yeah. like no carbs and meals like the first four meals and then yeah all your carbs and like that last one or something like that in, in the post-workout yep yeah. yeah that's what i would do mm-hmm. um would you rather have those carbs in in you before or would you rather them after I actually, in my diet, I put most of them before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just because I needed them to get through my training. Mm-hmm. I For think the performance. it performance. Yeah. It depends on how low you're actually going. Right. I was down to like 60 grams of carbs. <laughs> yeah. You can only do so much with that. Right. And so I was like, I'll put it before my training in hopes that it will allow me to have a good training session, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so that's why I did it that way. I don't, I don't know if the next time I'll maybe just try and do it, um, have it afterwards to try and get the benefit of the uptake after training um, to really get the most out of those carbs um, and kind of more depend on my pre-workout and, and maybe a light intra. Yeah, that's that's definitely something to consider too. If you have right. like a nice, so I think I think the next time around, probably have it set up that way. Um, but you know, I I managed just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, my uh, really so. Word. I don't know. It, it's something to play around with, right? Yeah, definitely. Um. But I would say um, generally in a bodybuilding meathead vacuum, um, I would pick four meals and, and one big one versus five meals that are all the same. Gotcha. Just, Honestly, just, to, take, just to take advantage of uptake. Yeah. I, um, I think I would choose the former. I would go just four plain meal or five plain meals um, right. that are all the same. Yeah. Um, I don't know the my reasoning behind that is just um, for the performance aspect of things and the fact that if energy is equated for, I guess there wouldn't necessarily be too much of a difference. Like if calories are equated for and those carbohydrates are only coming in um, after, then your performance might take a dip. But if they're if you have like a steady stream, you might have you know, a fine session because those carbs are already in and then you'll probably take in all of those nutrients on that last meal, obviously. 
um, that's just my thought process behind it. How, how low are you thinking right now? Honestly, I, well, I wasn't even thinking low anymore. I'm thinking that like each of these meals are like 50 grams of carbs each. So like 50, 50, 50, 50. And the other thing, so like if you have like a good amount of carbs in you, like even the day prior, like glycogen stores are actually much easier to, um, to fill up than I think we thought initially, like it, Like if you, you know, we're, our bodies are pretty good at like taking glycogen from things like even like, um, protein, like people that are on keto diets that smash a shit ton of protein. Like there's this thing inside of you called gluconeogenesis, which is basically just saying that like you can make sugar from almost anything. You can make carbs from almost anything that you take in protein included and fats included. Mm -hmm. So like our body is able to kind of make glucose you know relatively easily so i'm just thinking about the the glucose side of things and having glycogen inside of the muscle for our training session before yeah i think in a maintenance or a surplus i think you're already full almost all the time all the time yeah yeah that wouldn't even matter which I, don't know, I think that goes more for my side of saying, because it's not saying you don't have carbs in your other meals. It's just mm-hmm. saying you have you have one meal that's like bigger <laughs> than yeah. the rest, right? Yeah. It's like, so let's see, five meals, 50 grams, of, 250 grams of carbs a day is what you just, you know, 50, 50, 50, 50, right? Let's say instead you had... 30, 30, 30, 30, 90. Yeah. I actually, I would side with that. Yeah. Instead of, oh, that's hard. Uh, Was that, (laughs) is is 30, 30, 30, 90, is that 250? 30, 30, 30, 30, 90. 30, 60, 20 off each one. 40. Oh, no, 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 no. 110. 110? 110. That's that's a total of 110? No, no, no. Your last meal would be 110. So 30, oh, 30, 30, okay. 30. 110. 110. Okay. Would be 250. Opposed, just like 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm honestly not either one. <laughs> <laughs> so either really one works for saying... because I don't see performance taking a dip. Um, either way. Yeah, either way. Um, yeah. And especially because the whole like cows are equated for kind of a thing as well that's also kind of like the the pinnacle of the, that's like the top of the pyramid right. i would guess yeah so you know? this is this is such like a nitty-gritty question yeah. and like very circumstantial it would, it would be such a, a minute difference mm-hmm. um that probably for anybody listening to this it doesn't matter <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if if you're starving after training and you want to just have a massive meal then set it up that way. But if you'd rather yeah. just have five meals that are exactly the same, then set it up that way. Yeah. You know, as long as at the end of the day, your numbers are the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> what did you call them? Random question? Fire, random. What are they called? Rapid fire question? Rapid fire question. 
All we'll, right. have to, we'll have to have these in, in every episode. Rapid fire. I agree. Yeah, a few of them. Brady, <laughs> would you rather have a massive chest but a tiny back or a massive Dorian Yates back but a tiny little, little bitty chest? Definitely a massive back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. I, I would definitely choose having a back over having a chest. Mm-hmm. You know, I even my arms are still still good, my legs are still good. Nah, you're you right now, but you just get a massive back. I just have a massive back. <laughs> yeah, like literally <laughs> just outshadows everything. <laughs> okay. I still think from a physique standpoint, having a massive back would be far better um, than having a massive chest and no back. I actually kind of agree. You would literally just look like you have tits. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I kind of agree. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I, back. I think a back looks cooler than a chest, too, in my opinion. It does. Like, there's just so much going on, like the lats, the erectors, mid, you know? I think that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you put a Dorian Yates back on my on me right now, it looks stupid. Okay? You probably look like a Ninja Turtle. But... <laughs> <laughs> I would look like a Ninja Turtle, but if um, if you know, I had, let's say, I had proportionate legs and arms, and I had a massive back, but I just had like this shit chest. Mm. I think I would still be, I would be far more competitive in shows, and probably still could even win some shows that way than if I had a big chest and no back. Mm-hmm. because the back is there's so many important shots that revolve around having a good back where your chest you can kind of get away with it a little bit more you know it obviously you aren't going to be Mr. Olympia because you have to have it all but I think I would do better as a competitor if I had a big back versus yeah. a big chest yeah. yeah, I think I'm also going to go with a big back or yeah. a big chest. For sure. Yeah. I've also heard that shows are won from the back. You've probably heard that. They too. do say that. They, they do, do say that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Not if you only have a back, though. You can't. <laughs> yeah. You can't. True. <laughs> can't look you like you have it all. Right. But if it if it comes down to being close, you know, it's it's generally whose back shots were better. Um. Ooh. Okay. I have. Actually, I don't have all of my answer to this, but I have most of my answer to this. Ooh. Maybe not. Now that I think about it. Okay. If you could only do five exercises for the rest of your life, what are they and why? Uh. Yeah. I just like went right back to like the basics. I guess. Um. That was also my initial thought. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to fall into the pitfall because you clearly have a little bit more to add there. I'm going to say, um, and I have to be very particular. Like, I can't just say, like, squat. Um, all right, so I'd probably just say, like, high bar back squat. 
RDL, barbell row. I don't like overhead pressing with a bar. <laughs> barbell, overhead press. You don't have to do it with a bar. It just says, what, five exercises? <laughs> I, I'm choosing between a barbell and a dumbbell overhead press, I guess. And I'm just thinking, like, I'd probably get more out of a barbell after a while. Um, and I might be missing one. And calf raises. <laughs> There's one more that I'm missing, though. But calves, just because I don't want to just, like, completely neglect my calves. Did you say barbell row? Yeah. Okay. Squat. Squat. RDL. Barbell row. Barbell overhead press, calves. Calves. So I'm missing a vertical pull there. Eh, that's all right. I've got my hip hinge. I've got my squat variation, a row, a press. Oh, what the fuck? Oh, um, high incline barbell press. That's what I'll do instead of that overhead press. Yeah, that's a good and, one. And then some calves or a rack chin. You're probably going to have some shit rear delts, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, with five exercises. Yeah, you can only do so much. You'll probably get some from your barbell row, so yeah. it's all right. Maybe. Um, it's hard because I was probably going to say almost the same exact thing. But then I kind of thought about like longevity and how taxing those movements are. Yeah. I was like, well, what if what if I switched out my my barbell squat for like a Smith squat? And you know, I think I don't know, I kind of want to use the Smith machine for more things. Okay. Like like a Smith squat and then you know, maybe a, a Smith incline press and then an RDL. And then a barbell row. Okay. Off the Smith? No, 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 no. RDL and barbell row are free. He kind of got me with the calves there. You threw me for a loop on I that know, one. It's like my calves. No, you <laughs> know. Now I'm thinking. I'm like, maybe, maybe they'll get no. <laughs> like maybe no. Yeah, no. <laughs> Don't say like, it. Maybe they'll grow from doing RDLs. <laughs> I was thinking like if you made it like an Olympic RDL, where you like you kind of like like yeah. gave a little traps, gave a little bit of calves in there, maybe. Yeah, clean and jerk. There we go. Yeah, there you go. There <laughs> Just do all Olympic lifts. Um, yeah, I'd probably do like seated calf raises. Mm -hmm. So pretty similar. I just moved to Smith yeah, for Smith a little also. bit of like longevity and safety. Yeah, I actually, old. I would side with you on that as well. I, uh, I actually really like using a Smith machine. It's been a while since I've used a Smith for anything other than a rack chin. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, sometimes it's nice 
to not have to think about bar path as much. Mm-hmm. And like, it just helps create like your rep standardization and you can put a little bit more focus on acting the muscle, I suppose, or, you know, really getting a good initiation and, and really feeling your, your eccentric and really slowing it down. Um, you know, I just think it's really good for those things because you're not going to have, you know, other things around you fail as quickly as you mm-hmm. do with, with an open, open bar. Um, so that's kind of, that's why I chose those. Um, well, one of the reasons, um, over like a free bar. Word. Yeah. I, I also, I like that idea too. Um, kind of taking out that back squat, just pushing it for a little smithy. Yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Yeah. I think actually I have to do some of those today. Oh yeah. Yeah, I put them in my program. <laughs> nice. Here, uh, one second, Brady. Um, yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> Got people singing in the background. Uh, this is a quick commercial break. Just to remind you, if you're enjoying this episode, to uh, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening to us and our beautiful voices... Make sure to leave a rating and review, uh, follow, download the podcast. I'm not really sure how the algorithm works, uh, but we would greatly appreciate it and because uh, we really enjoy uh, getting on here, chatting, and answering some questions. Um, if you have questions that you'd like to ask us, I will, uh, I'll link our Instagrams in the description, and then you can ask your questions to us. Uh, we put up question polls. And... Uh, yeah, welcome back, Brandon. Thank you. <laughs> I was uh, I was just doing a quick commercial break there. I heard. I know. I like just left as you were like, "Welcome to our commercial break." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was telling the people to uh, and subscribe and all those fun things, rating reviews, and then they have questions to uh, to send them to our Instagrams. It would be much appreciated. Yeah. They're fun. As you can see from today, you can ask us any kind of question you want. We'll answer it to the best of our ability. Um, The would you rather's are fun. You know, it's it's fun to throw some fun questions in there, and uh, you know, just be be a little bit meatheadish every once in a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, I'm actually out of questions that I have written down today. And uh, I am hungry. Yeah, You're hungry. <laughs> nice. I uh, I got a train. Facts. We've Great. been on here for an hour and a half. Yep. So uh, that means we've met the quota. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in today, guys. Yeah. We do appreciate. I'm Brandon. I'm Brady. Thanks for coming through. <laughs> we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.